Good morning, everyone. Good to see you. God bless you. So nice to have you with us. We have people from the other side of the pond with us as well. So welcome. Thank you for coming. It's a beautiful day in the Lord. It's a beautiful day outside here, but every day is a beautiful day in Jesus. Amen. And so um, uh, today we have uh, with us um, Keith Wilburn again and his family, actually. Uh, there are three of the four Wilburns today that are going to sing for us, which I'm excited about. I always love hearing them. Um, so we welcome Keith again. He is one of the associate pastors out at Hopewell Methodist Church. Um, and today our own Jamie Grimble is going to be preaching for us. Jamie is our former youth pastor who's now gone into training uh, for uh, becoming a pastor. So we are excited to have him. He's been with us before, but he's prepared a very thoughtful service uh, for us um, for the Sunday after Easter. So happy Sunday after Easter. And I'm thanking God, thanking God that we continue uh, to walk together through this. And so it, we've been very supportive. I want to thank everybody that sent out that music for me. It was good for my soul. Thank you so much. And um, Frank uh, Verasso, who spent time with our kids yesterday playing games, uh, we want to thank him. So people, things have been happening. People have been active. Um, and so I'm going to be hitting up some more of our church members just to do things so we can participate more together through this medium um, in our services and in our time together. So hi, kids. How you guys doing? Ah, I see Henry. Hey, and Frida. I see so many. Okay, so let's start in prayer, and then I will turn the service over to Keith. So please join me in prayer. Our God and Lord, we thank you so much for this day that you've made. We recognize that it is unlike any other. And with that in mind, Lord, we offer ourselves today to you to give praise and worship to your holy name, Lord. We, we offer ourselves, Lord, to be of service to you in making your kingdom manifest in the earth. Lord, we know we need you. And you've met us at every turn. And we want to thank you for that. We thank you for comforting hearts in the midst of loss. We thank you for giving us peace in the midst of this time that is uncertain and creates confusion. We thank you, God, for walking with us, that we are not alone as we travel these roads. We thank you, oh God, that we can, can connect um, across waters and around the country together in worship. So we bless you. Holy Spirit, you are welcome in every home, to have your way, to speak to us, to guide us deeper in meditation into your word. We thank you, Lord, so much for just you being you. In Jesus' name, we bless you, and we say together, amen, amen. Brother amen. Keith and Alan, amen. have your way. Good morning, Mosaic Church. It's uh, beautiful to see everybody this morning. A privilege to be with you. I'm excited to be here with uh, my wife, Allie, this morning. She's going to be leading with me. And then uh, our daughter, Sarah, will be jumping in at the end. Um, but just to get started, we want to enter this service just out of a, a space of just pure praise and adoration for God. And so we're going to start with the song, 10,000 Reasons. And there are a lot of challenges, a lot of struggles um, in this season, certainly, and uh, God doesn't want us to push those feelings down or away. God wants us to express those, 
But um, we also need to acknowledge that God is still blessing us in so many ways. Um, and so we want to just take time this morning just to start with a, a spirit of thanksgiving, a spirit of praise, a spirit of adoration, thanking God for all that God is providing, all that God is um, doing in our lives, all that God is, um, yeah, just giving to us in this, in this season. So uh, join with us in singing uh, 10,000 Reasons. Uh, bless the Lord. <clears throat> bless the Lord of my soul, oh, my soul, worship his heart. Yes. 
so gracious to us. You are so loving to us. You're so merciful to us, God. We thank you for your peace. We thank you, God, for your love. We thank you, God, for just your faithfulness to us, that no matter what situation, no matter where we are, that you are not simply far away watching, but that you come down to be in it with us, to walk with us, to provide strength, to provide wisdom, to provide peace in the midst of every situation. We thank you, we thank you, we thank you for that incredible love, for that incredible peace and power that you provide. And we just wanna to continue to sing your praise. We wanna to continue to give you the glory and honor that you deserve. In your name we pray, amen, amen. just going to continue church in the spirit of uh, praise and adoration for this loving, gracious, merciful God. So this is uh, kind of an oldie, but one of my favorite songs. And uh, we hope that you'll join with us and that uh, we'll just bless your spirit.
Thank you, Keith and Allie. I appreciate that so much. Um, so we have coming today to uh, deliver our sermon, our brother, um, Jamie Grimble. So we're thankful to have him. Jamie served as a former uh, um, youth leader for Blaze. Um, and again, he is now serving um, in an associate training minister role with our church. Jamie's heart is full for the Lord. He is faithful. And I am so excited to hear uh, this thoughtful piece that the Lord has placed on his heart. Um, he's picking up the theme on um, waiting. Um, as the disciples waited after Jesus's resurrection, um, before his ascension. And so, Jamie, I want to pray for you. 
Our God, we bless you and thank you for Jamie. We ask, Lord, that you would bless him, what he's prepared, oh God, and just, um, Lord, just fill him with your presence. I pray for stillness of, uh, around him, that he can hear and be directed by you, Holy Spirit. Um, and just give him uh, courage and strength to deliver this word in boldness in the way that you've instructed him to do it. Um, uh, with joy, we listen with expectancy to hear you, Holy Spirit, speak through your servant. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, thank you, Angel. Uh, good morning, everyone. How are you all doing? Give me a thumbs up. Or thumbs down if you're feeling run down. I don't want to put judgments on people. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, like Angel said, um, my name's Jamie and I'm uh, here at Mosaic. I was the artist formerly known as the youth specialist here, um, working with the youth grades four and up. But just before all this started happening, I, I was actually transitioning out of that and starting to train, hopefully to train to become the associate pastor. Um, it's so good to see you all this morning. Um, this is so new for me speaking on this kind of format. Uh, if I normally FaceTime or, or Zoom with uh, someone else, it's normally with family or kids. And so you end up doing a lot of this. Can you see me? Right. Can you? Yeah. Yeah. So this, that's the, you know, so I'm going to try and, uh, talk to you properly this way and, uh, not get distracted by doing silly faces. Um, anyway, so, um, it was such an incredible feeling seeing you all last week. Um, and uh, it was funny because I just spent the majority, a lot of the service, just scrolling through the pages of Zoom and just seeing all your wonderful faces. I really miss you guys. Um, and Pastor Angel just gave such an uplifting Easter message uh, that really gave me a lot of energy this week, um, particularly as I was uh, focusing to talk, uh, you know, to write this talk. So, here we are, still at home, a week after Easter, entering what, week six for most of us, um, in social distancing and shelter in place. And we try to follow the news uh, and the CDC announcements, trying to figure out when this will come to an end. And even then, what does it look like? What's the future hold? We wait. And here we are, a week after Easter, a day that is one of the biggest days, if not the most significant on the Christian calendar, a day where Jesus, not only did Jesus give up his life, but arose from the dead so that we could have a new life um, and that we could experience true love and freedom and acceptance for who we are created to be and not who we're expected to be. But it was probably for the very first time in a very long time that the majority of church buildings were not filled to the brim full of people celebrating except to gather around computers and screens to worship through the power of the internet, a new experience and something that we cannot go back from. And we wait. It's interesting to me as this current period reminds me of two things. Um, the first being a period of time in our church when we as a church were part of the Vineyard Church Organization, um, which had incredible growth growth in size over a 13 year period and saw uh, an incredible spiritual movement um, with an overview of trying to impact on Philly from a community outreach level. 
And then due to circumstances um, that were out of our control, I decided to leave the Vineyard Church organization um, and form an independent church called Mosaic Community Church. Now, this was due to a dramatic decision within the Vineyard organization that was not really compatible to what our outlook was, um, is, um, and meant to be. And so if you're new to Mosaic, um, you're probably wondering what the heck I'm talking about. Don't worry, I'm going to go into it later. Um, and how this parallels the birth of the New Jesus movement, which occurred immediately after the death and resurrection of Christ, and what Peter and the people around him went through to form and establish um, what we know as church. And I want these two examples with what we're experiencing now and how can we move forward with an increasingly uncertain world. And yet we wait. So I think I apologize if some of you know this already, but I kind of wanted to give you a, uh, a roughly a brief history of the first 10 years of the church immediately after Jesus died. Um, there isn't really a New Testament book that goes into depth written to tell us. Um, Paul didn't write, really start writing until 20 years later, and the Gospels only started to appear 40 years after. But we have Acts, you say. I can see you mouthing it, kind of. Um, but um, Acts only really gives us like tiny little snapshots of what was happening. Um, and so right at the end of Jesus's time on earth, from an onlooker's point of view, the Jesus movement, well, it could have looked like a big failure. His closest friend denied him three times. One of his followers betrayed him. And then all his disciples fled. And he died like the robbers surrounded him on the cross. That's just from an onlooker. But as we see in Acts, many of his followers returned and Jesus appeared to them. The movement, the Jesus movement at this time was made up of a small a uh, group of Jewish people, the majority of people belonging to the lower classes, although some of the disciples had fishing businesses, and this would actually, in the that time, would have yielded some economic power. And so there were some middle classes dashed in there too. And so Jesus died during Passover. Then he rose three days later, and he taught the disciples for 40 days. And on day 43, he ascended into heaven. A week later, Pentecost came. And even though after his resurrection, um, Jesus had appeared to five, over th uh, 500 people and taught over 100 people, nothing really shifted. They stayed in Jerusalem praying. They waited. But then the Holy Spirit came. Peter preached, and from this, the church grew to about 5,000. But still... Peter had great opposition from the religious authorities. But this community was far from perfect. Conflict would arise. The early church had started to support widows who didn't have any support st structure at the time. And the Greek community of the widows felt that the Jewish widows were getting a better deal. And so the church responded to this by appointing a special board to divvy up fairly between the widows. And so this is what we know as the deacon board or what we would call the church council um 
but the strife only worsened because Stephen, who was on the council, was murdered by a mob and persecution spread, led by a certain man called Saul. Um, and he would scatter the, scatter the church to the different areas outside of Jerusalem, like Judea and Samaria. Um, I feel that there's a great misconception that the early church was solid, um, fast growing, moving thing. But here, really, the first 10 years was anything but. In fact, the next 10 years was even worse. Yet it did have incredible growth. But along with growth brought a huge internal conflict. Just as the early church was getting moving and getting legs, it was scattered because of persecution. And having a church service in a bricks and mortar building called church was not even possible. Then Saul uh, converted to Paul, and yet still during his incredible journey, work, uh, still strife and division and persecution would plague the church. And to be honest, it still does. It's never a new thing. Two things seem to come from the early church, incredible growth and constant conflict. And yet in the midst of all this, one thing, one shining thing holds out. And that is Jesus' promise that he would build his church and kept that promise and continues to keep that promise. And which is so incredibly exciting. But one thing that keeps them reoccurring is because we are human, history keeps repeating itself. And because of the folly of humans, conflict has always crept in. And we as a church, not that long ago, experienced that, as I mentioned earlier. Up until about 2015, Mosaic was part of the Vineyard Church organization, which had churches throughout the world. And we were a church plant that was formed by amazing former pastors, Brad and Becca Zinn. And the Zins, with the help of a core of a small group uh, based in West Philly, created a church um, that was um, vital to the ever-changing um, area that was West Philly, particularly with young professionals and, and, and students and parents of young families. Um, it was also a church that really wanted from the outset to create a safe space for you to come and experience um, Jesus' love, no matter what your identity is, where you were in your journey with your faith. And particularly if, you're, if, if religion had hurt you or alienated you, they wanted there to be a freedom of discussion and thought. And all the while trying to make Philadelphia a greater place. The church grew at a fast and frenetic pace. And in, even though we had a fairly natural turnover of congregation, and that's just due to the perfect location of being near Penn University and, and students would obviously come and go and families would move, we actually continued to grow and thrive. And then about seven years ago, God presented us with our own building that we would call our own. Up until that point, we had been renting a local school and then conflict hit. A couple of vineyard churches that had members that identified um, as the LGBTQ community were in the leadership and it started to concern other vineyard churches who were more conservative in their doctrine. And it culminated um, in the vineyard's decision that 
people of the LGBT community could not be part of leadership within the churches of Vineyard and sadly gave the ultimatum for these churches to make a decision and where they stood. Brad, who was witness to these discussions, was very worried, even though our church was not one of these churches. The, the, the decision would pretty much definitely impact our church uh, from its mission to show that Jesus's heart uh, for people, no matter their identity, sexual orientation or varying views. And so under the incredible stewardship of the Zins, we talked and we discussed uh, where we stood on this matter and a unanimous decision, we will become an independent church. It was a little bit terrifying um, as we would lose the identity of being part of a huge and successful uh, ministry and it could severely fracture our incredible community but it didn't we came out of it and for the better we are able to move forward and keep going and growing i wanted to say all this because i wanted to remind you all especially now especially now that I think it gave us independence and courage and faithfulness that was needed to carry on with Jesus' promise to build his church, to keep growing, to make a place where the hurt and the vulnerable could come and rest and recover, to where the rejected could find a home and where a place where we could all be accountable without judgment from each other. And this was even more highlighted in 2016 when the election happened. We were not able to look at the outside world and wonder how this could happen, but we were able to stop and look at ourselves and see where we were falling short and how some of our social privileges would stop us from really connecting with communities. And actually a few months ago, I obviously talked about this and my own journey regarding that. All this being said is to remind us that as we face an incredibly uncertain future and yet we wait in the gospel of john chapter 21 it's called the epilogue a conclusion of what has happened this sermon is probably going to be the epilogue of my career but let's do it what an interesting uh, <laughs> what an interesting title obviously john is concluding here um, what has happened in Jesus's life. But it was just the start of his mission, spearheaded by the, his disciples. Now, I'm not going to read the whole chapter. I'm just going to reference certain parts. But if you have a Bible handy, um, you can open it at John 21. And I'm going to be using the New Living Translation. I'll just give you a minute. Give me some thumbs up. Cool. I should have some waiting music, like a dentist's office or something. Do, 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 Right, anyway. So, um, here we find the disciples definitely mourning the loss of Jesus, but almost given up hope. They have dispersed back to their homes. Lake Galilee was about 80 miles from Jerusalem, where Jesus had last appeared to them. The disciples had traveled 80 miles home in between appearances. And that's no short distance in those days. 
So they had really given up and gone home to do what they know best, fish. Peter, even in verse three says, I'm going fishing. Now, just before Jesus appeared, their fishing trip had been a fruitless trip as well. And also a lot of theologians feel that John is making a symbolic suggestion that it was also a still night spiritually and uh, in a spiritual sense too. And still they wait. But then as soon as Jesus arrives, both their situation is changed completely, bountifully and spiritually. But then even then it's really weird because they fail to recognize Jesus. He's literally standing a hundred yards, less than a hundred yards from them. Because when Jesus appears to his disciples, he's appearing to broken and vulnerable men who had no sense of hope of, for the future. How many of us can re relate like that at the moment? It's really hard to recognize hope. Jesus then calls them children which initially to adult ears might seem a little bit patronizing. But remember how Jesus viewed children. It's an incredibly loving phrase. In Greek, it's um, paedia, which, mean, which is a very intimate way of calling a child. He wanted them to feel loved and protected immediately. And he wants them to feel or to start their feeling restored. He tells them to cast their nets over the other side, uh, which harks back to their first encounter with him in Luke 5. What Jesus is doing here, he's reminding them, do you remember how beautiful it was? It can be like that again. You just have to step out again. And they start slowly being restored by these simple words. They are reminded of all the tools of faith he has taught them. Peter immediately jumps out and furiously begins swimming the 100 yard, yard dash. And remember, Peter's last encounter was him denying Jesus three times. Jesus has nothing but compassion and love for him. Jesus has a fire going and with fish cooking on it. And so the disciples, they've got nothing to bring to it. They don't have to bring anything to it. But Jesus says, give me your fish. I want to try it. And again, it remain, right, this reminds me of the feeding of the 5,000, where he values what the little boy has. Jesus already has what he needs, but he wants to see what we've got. And he is incredibly in touch by the boy giving his pat lunch. He wants to see what gifts we have. It's all he needs. Even if we feel weak, of no value, uncertain of them. But... They are waiting no more. He is restoring them. They break bread together, much like they did in the Last Supper, reminding them, Jesus is reminding them of the hospitality, of feeling welcomed and loved. He then calls Peter by his first name, Simon. This actually reminds me of when I was a kid. Now, even though my name is Jamie, um, I am actually James. And if I ever heard my parents call me James, I knew I was in deep doo-doo. And in school, I know my parents are nodding here. Um, and um, so, so in school, um, the, the school register actually had my name down as James Grumble. And so every time my name was called, I would flinch and say, I ain't done nothing wrong. 
And uh, so you would assume Peter would think the same, especially because of their last encounter. And I actually sense it was for another reason that Jesus was calling him Simon Peter. Um, since actually though, but since, I should say this, since actually though becoming somewhat of an adult, if I'm in a bank uh, or an important meeting, I will actually resort to my prison name of James as I'm trying to convey some sort of self-importance um, <laughs> or something. I, you know, I guess it sounds a bit more proper than James. Oh, sorry, Jamie. Um, well, I guess I think Jesus here is actually trying to convey to Peter that he's about to be commissioned for something important. And that's why he uses his full name. Jesus then asks Peter if he loves him. The Greek word, actually, that Jesus uses is agape. Now, this is the Greek version of love, but with a much more deeper meaning. It's more like, do you love me with total and utter commitment? Are you with me? And Peter replies with the Greek word uh, philio, which again means love, but with a slightly different meaning. It's more like Peter saying here, because of the way I behaved, only shows you I love you like a sibling and not as I should. Jesus is reminding, then reminds Peter saying, it's okay, Peter, just teach my people. Look after my sheep. Then Jesus asks for a second, Peter, a second time, using the word agape, do you love me? And Peter replies again, using the word filio, meaning he couldn't live up to his words, his own words. He couldn't live up to his own standards. And Jesus says, it's okay. Just teach my people, look after my sheep. Jesus then asks him again, but this time, instead of using agape, he uses, he uses the word filio. Do you love me? As if to say, how, after all this we've been through, everything you saw me do, why do you still love me this way? And Peter replies in a pretty hurt way, saying, I really do love you, but to the best of my ability, the love I have for you is not what you deserve, but it's the best that I can offer. And Jesus says, well, that's all right. The best you have to offer is fine. Just take care of my sheep. Take care of each other. And Peter is restored. He's no longer waiting. And he's ready to move forward. And as I said in the beginning of this sermon, I actually wanted to tie this in all this together to show us with this uncertain and scary situation we're in. Um, like the disciples after Jesus' death, we're in a scary situation. Um, we've been scattered to our homes and feeling extremely, extremely disconnected. We're fearful for our jobs, even lost our jobs, our health, our families. How can we move forward? How can we, how and when can we return to what was? I can't give you an answer. I wish I could. Um, but I wanted to remind us that as a church, we have faced conflict and we have come through it stronger. 
And all the while, doing as Jesus asked, is take care of my sheep, all of my sheep. And we did it because we came mosaic. And in 2000, we did it again when our longtime pastor Brad stepped down and brought in Angel. And we're a church that doesn't wait. And we know that this isn't going to stop us now. Look at us. We're all gathered here on the screens. It's so awesome to see you. Um, and we'll come out of this stronger. And because we know Jesus and because we love Jesus. Now, it might not be to the standards that we normally hold ourselves to, but that's okay. Just as long as we take care of his sheep, we can move forward. We will move forward. This shadow is passing. Now, that phrase, this shadow is passing, is taken from Lord of the Rings, the two towers. Now, I really apologize because this has probably been overused by a lot of people in talks, but I don't care because I think it really helps what I'm trying to convey here. Um, Sam and Frodo are well into their journey to destroy the ring created by the evil Sauron. And Sam, he gives this speech to Frodo, um, who, um, after they've been taken prisoner and sent to the, to the ruined city of Osgiliath. And in Osgiliath, Frodo once again narrowly escapes by, by being captured by Sauron's minions. And he starts to lose hope. And um, whether or not he can finish his quest. But then Sam, his best friend, the person that's been with him every step of the way, this is the speech that Sam delivers. Don't worry, I'm not going to do a weird southern West Country accent. I'm just going to read it. Frodo says, I can't do this, Sam. And Sam says, I know it's all wrong. By rights, we shouldn't be here. But we are. It's like in the great stories, Mr. Frodo, the ones that really mattered, full of darkness and danger, they were. And sometimes you didn't want them to, end, to know the end because how could the end be happy? How could the world go back to the way it was when so much bad had happened? But in the end, it's only a passing thing, this shadow. Even the darkness must pass. A new day will come. And then when the sun shines, it will shine out the clearer. Those were the stories that stayed with you. That meant something, even if you were too, too small to understand why. But I think, Mr. Frodo, I do understand. I know now folk in those stories had lots of chances of turning back, but they didn't. They kept on going because they were holding on to something. Frodo replies, what are we holding on to, Sam? And Sam says that there's some good in this world, Mr. Frodo, and it's worth fighting for. Sam's right. By rights, we feel that we shouldn't be here. We are tired. We're scared. It's okay. I actually feel that you could swap out Sam and Frodo and put in Jesus and Peter. And... I know there are days where I'm losing hope. I feel like I'm shouting at my boys more and more. Um, but Jesus has given us the tools to deal with this. And just as he remem reminded them in the epilogue of John, 
with what they went through. He never left our side. He's always with us. I see nuggets of that that I hold on, on to. The strengthening of my family unit, this time together. My, son's learning to, my son learning to ride his bike during this time. My, you know, um, my son's grasping onto something that I taught them in a shoddy homeschooling session. These are the moments that restores me. Nurses, doctors and essential workers just risking their lives so that we can live. Um, John Krasinski, an actor uh, who played Jim, from, has set up a news channel called SGN, Some Good News, where he solely highlights good news of people doing good things. And just this week, a 99-year-old World War II vet in the UK decided to raise money for the NHS, which is the British healthcare system, by doing laps around his garden with his walker just before his 100th birthday. Now, his original goal was just over $1,000. He's ended up raising $29 million, and it's still counting. Find the things that restore your heart. It's okay. It doesn't have to be your best. It might not be your usual standards. And it was funny, about two weeks ago, and, oh, sorry, two weeks since the lockdown, I'd kind of really buried myself with my family and just freaked out a little bit and was worried. And my, I'd lost all my work for my DJing and was, you know, just hunkering down. And um, I said to Angel, I said, I feel like this is a race. No, no, a marathon. And I initially treated it, though, like a 100-meter sprint. And there was no way I was going to finish like that uh, or even keep the pace. You know, I, I'd set out. Literally, my plan was going to be that my homeschooling was perfect, that we were going to do this, we we're going to do lots of cooking, we we're going to go around and make sure people have been fed and do this and that and, and achieve this and achieve that. And did I? Pfft, no. Seven weeks in, sorry, seven weeks, six weeks, feels like seven, six weeks, I'm still trying to figure a routine out. Things don't have to be perfect, just as long as we show up and take care of each other. Cherish those moments as they will move forward or move you forward and stop you from waiting. This shadow will pass. It will shine clearer because we have been through it. We do not need to wait anymore. He is here with us and he knows we can do it. Because even if there's conflicts in the world, there is good over the world, good in the world. And it won't wait. Amen. Over to you, Keith. Amen. Amen. We, uh, Thank you for that great message, Jamie. And we're even reminded just coming out of Easter last week, just of uh, God's incredible resurrection power that it's, uh, I love that image that it's the little that we have, but we are ultimately dependent on God's power and that same power that brought Jesus back from the dead that revived um, what was dead back to new life that took what seemed like a challenging, difficult situation and created 
uh, a beautiful new movement, that that same power we have access to today, um, that Jesus' resurrection power is still present, that the Holy Spirit is moving with that power. And so regardless of the situations we see all around us, uh, we can walk in confidence that that power, that we have access to that power, that God is with us, that Christ is with us, and that uh, out of this season, beautiful new uh, thing is going to be birthed. Amen. So thank you for that encouragement, Jamie. And so we're going to close with uh, a song, Glorious Day, that just celebrates uh, this power, this resurrection power that God has.
show up when you said show up that's the thing i had to laugh i found myself giggling because um i'm watching keith and the family sing and i was taken back to this time when um keith and i are in a car having a fight the kids we ran a summer camp together the kids are in the in the uh bus going down the highway and he and i are, are fussing back and forth he's driving and keith is getting faster and faster with the more intensity of our argument and i found myself saying I don't care what's happening anymore. You're just driving fast. You're making me crazy. <laughs> Something like that. He finally slowed down. But I, I, I thought about that as I was thinking about show up. There's so many things that he and I've done that maybe you've done. Um, and people give you praise for it. You know, you really did that well in that. And you know, you roll your eyes because you're thinking if you knew the real story, you know that this was a mess. But God made things turn out well. And the important thing was us showing up and making ourselves available, you know, and God makes it work out. And it's such a hard, sometimes a concept to, to grab a hold of. And people think it's like fairy tale faith, but here's the reality. God makes things work out. And so we're together and this is going to work out and we will move forward and our church will be stronger. And I think the church will be stronger. And I hope you get the desire to reach out to other people, not with some formula, but out of the truth of our lives to say, this is what God did for me while I was in the pandemic. And uh, we share those common stories that God shows up for us. So let's show up for God and for each other. So I thank you guys for showing up. I have a, um, um, a benediction for us, which I'm supposed to have. It is called the benediction for the waiting ones. God of the watching ones, give us your benediction. God of the waiting ones, give us your good word for our souls. God of the watching ones, the waiting ones, the slow and the suffering ones, give us your benediction, your good word for our souls that we might rest. God of the watching ones, the waiting ones, the slow and suffering ones, of the angels of heaven and of the child in the womb, give us your benediction, your good word for our souls, that we might rest and rise in the kindness of your company. Thank you, Lord, for this day and for the word that you have given us through Jamie and the praise that you've given us uh, to share with the Wilburn family. Thank you, Lord, for your goodness. Thank you for being with us as we wait, knowing that it's not a do-nothing wait, but a wait that turns us to you, that reaches out to you, that there is activity of hope and expectation, and that as we show up, you show up too. May you be glorified in the living of our lives this day into tomorrow. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. You are loved. Have a wonderful day. 
Remember that we're here, and if you need anything to reach out, including just conversation. Thank you, Jamie. Hello, Grimble family. Thank you for joining with us. Hello. It was lovely to be with you. We would have been with you next week had not this all happened. Ah. Now we're early. <laughs> Even better. <laughs> Bless you all. Thank Bless you all. Thank you. So you guys have a wonderful day. I love seeing all the babies. It's so wonderful. So you're looking good. Jeannie and Dan, you look good in the kitties. So guys, be blessed. Everybody wave, wave at each other. We'll see each other next week. God bless. Bye-bye.